The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid-19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hanyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast Books and Beyond and find My Life in China and America. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, China hopes to tap the potentials of protected agriculture to safeguard food security, encourage spending and investment in rural areas, and boost its overall economic competitiveness. Today, we decipher China's formula for agricultural growth in the coming decade. What is the magic word that drives young people to buy leftover food? Excellent cooking techniques, or? A good business model borrowed from other industries. We will find out what has gotten into the heads of younger consumers. Roundtable goes on air around the world, but also on major podcast platforms at Roundtable China. So if you like to listen to our playbacks, do seek us out. Now on Roundtable, I'm joined by Li Yi and Yu Hongling in the studio, and the first topic of the day was well. Protected agriculture. This sounds technical, and we touched upon this during our trip to、uh, Inner Mongolia、uh, a few weeks ago, and、uh, we saw good examples of that theory and put into practice. We thought this is rather influential. It really affects the national economy overall, and really, in fact, the food on our table. So I think that deserves a discussion of its own. And here we are. Again, some background before we start our serious conversation here. What is protected agriculture, and what does it entail? Yes, protected farming or protected agriculture is actually a modern method of farming, and the primary purpose of developing protected agriculture is really to protect crops from adverse natural conditions or unfavorable environments such as strong heat, strong cold, wind, light, and rain, drought, etc. And plants are protected and provided with favorable conditions, which help in their growth. And in this way, of course, better quality and higher yields are obtained from them. And in some countries, for example, like U.S., this kind of method is also referred as controlled environment agriculture.、Mm-hmm. And agriculture doesn't just include the planting of vegetables or grains, right? I mean, it, it doesn't have to do with planting stuff. It doesn't actually. It entails fishing industry as well. So when you're fishing, you're actually doing agriculture, and also it includes husbandry and also some other, let's say, activities that are providing necessary material for agriculture, including, for example, food or grain drying. 
Mm-hmm. It is also one very important part of agriculture, and I quite like the Chinese name of protected agriculture. That is shuo shi nong ye. So shuo shi basically is equipment or facilities. So、yeah. these are、uh, the essential of what we're talking about. But because initially, or let's say from the very beginning of human beings, you can imagine yourself working in the field, trying to catch some fish, trying to tame some animals. These all fall into the category of Agriculture.、Sure. Yet nowadays we have a mean to not exactly change or handle the environment, especially according to Chinese concept of understanding the things. That is, we live in the earth. We have a relationship with the heaven, with the earth, and that harmony is what we're looking for. And by using these facilities, we form a more friendly and better relationship with the nature, so that in places that is not traditionally favorable for growing plants, for raising animals. We would have the chance to humbly and sincerely ask from the nature to give us a nice harvest.、Hmm. If separating your plants, your livestock from the elements, from the harsh environment of the nature, is your idea of being friendly with the environment? Yeah, but yes, I think the reason I specifically stress it is because the purpose of facility. See, I'm calling it facilitated agriculture already. No, protected agriculture、yes. is not only to reduce or to remove the problems of the. Nature when we conduct agriculture activities to yield or to have better quality and quantity of the agricultural product, but a very important aim is to lower the cost of the environment. Is to lower the burden agriculture activities puts on the environment to try to yield or have the best yield with the minimum resources, and that is my idea of improving the environment or improving the relation. Relationship between human and the environment. This is certainly an improvement from the old-fashioned way of slash and burn technique, where we put a fire out there and burn all the un- unnecessary trees and brushes to leave the fertile soil untouched, and then plant our grains or vegetables there. I mean, we've certainly gone a long way since、mm. that age of primitive farming, and that's for sure. Li Yi, you have had the chance to witness、uh, firsthand what was going on in Wulan Chabu, central Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region, where they were practicing some form of protected agriculture. Can you tell us a bit more on what you saw there? Yes, actually, we went to a local green grape vineyard in this small village in southern Wulanchup, and also we talked to a local grape farmer, and who came to Wulanchup like five years ago. And I mean, he has been planting these green grapes in Shandong Province, and he told me that actually, without Of course, those green grapes are planted in those greenhouses, and he told us that without those greenhouses. None of those green grapes can be planted in on the land of Inner Mongolia because、mm-hmm. green grapes are quite demanding in terms of the environmental requirements. It needs abundant sunlight and suitable、um, temperatures, and of course, water. But we all know that Inner Mongolia is. Uh, a place with dry climate, very few、uh, water resources, and so they just choose to use these kind of facilities or greenhouses to, of course, to make sure that green crops can be planted 
on that land. And more importantly, he told us that he also using this kind of greenhouses as a way to stand out in the market because green grapes, the market is quite competitive. And to stand out in the market, he has to delay the seedling and also harvesting time of these green grapes by using all those kind of facilities to control the temperature and also humidity within that greenhouses to make sure that um, his green grapes can still like produce when his peers like are out of stock in the same season. So that is his way to make more money, I would say, to to put it in a simple way. And so there um, in a small village in southern Wollongong, we witnessed one usage of these greenhouses. Mm-hmm. And also, previously, I also visited a small village in northeastern China in Heilongjiang province, which is Tixing Farm. We know that Heilongjiang province is actually one of the major crops uh, or rice production area in China. Mm-hmm. And this Qixing farm is actually the key area of this granary of China, as we call it. And this farm is around 81,000 hectares and has an annual rice output that can feed a medium-sized Chinese city or 3 million people. So wow. that's the highest right, okay. uh, high crops yield uh, coming from that farm. And there, you know, I talked to one of the leading farmers uh, who has been planting rice for 30 years on Qixing farm. And his farm, you know, always has the highest rice yields. And uh, I went to that farm in early September and it should okay. be like the business time for of the year, you know, farmers were busy harvesting and there, you know, yet when I met him, he was busy churning soil in the greenhouse to prepare for next year's farming. Because he told me that the earlier, the better is always the golden rule for him. Because of those greenhouses, he got a chance to, you know, make early preparation, you know, seedling and everything for the next year so mm-hmm. that he can really have better preparation and a better yield. So that's also one, you know, importance or significance of this such uh, greenhouses or facilities. Right. So that's one of the features that comes with protected agriculture. And that is by using techniques and uh, facilities, we are able to somehow escape the grasp of nature and escape the effect of seasonal changes and and dictate and arrange our own production uh, schedule to meet our own demand. And that's, of course, one of the features. What about other features? Why do people use protected agriculture? Does it have to do with, for instance, increasing yield? Yes, actually, um, if we talk about protected agriculture, it must have something to do with alleviate the barriers we already have in doing so or to improve the quality and quantity of the production of the final product. And if we take a look at some examples by using a greenhouse or any kind of facility in the area that you are conducting agriculture activities, we would be able to actually, by logic, we can totally understand because if we temper or control the temperature and um, humidity a little bit more, we would be able to increase the yield of the product. And it happens in different ways. Um, One way is to make sure that we put the plants in the best condition it can be so that Mm -hmm. for one grow, you have more yields than the situation in natural environments. And another way of doing it is to actually shorten the period of time a plant actually need to yield so that previously maybe we only have one or two 
opportunities to grow in one year. But with the help of technology, we would be able to、um, double or triple or quadruple that action, making sure that you get more yields in just one year in the same period of time. So I think essentially,、um, when it comes to protected agriculture, what we're trying to achieve is to first of all solve the problem of Land, because we know we're not getting any more land, natural land, in the country or actually in the earth. And the second is to change the condition. And in my opinion, the third is to make sure that we minimize the effect or the、uh, negative impact on the nature when we conduct agricultural activities.、Mm-hmm. And protected agriculture sometimes doesn't just mean protection for. The valuable agricultural resources that people are trying to cultivate, be it plants or livestock or fish, but sometimes it can also mean a way to expand agriculture where natural conditions don't permit. For that instance, is, yeah, that is a really good point because I was just trying to mention.、Uh, uh, actually, I had several visits to different farms and greenhouses in different places. One. Very standing example would be the one I visited in Xizang, two years ago, I guess. And if you imagine that place is called the roof of the world, its natural environment is definitely not suitable for growing vegetables. Very fragile. Which is why, for centuries, people there were not able to have vegetables, or they have to actually they had to import vegetables so that they would have the basic needs met. Sure,、yeah. but、um, with protected agriculture, they well. I think Li Yi mentioned Shandong Province as well because Shandong Province is really good one. When I say Shandong Province, I'm actually thinking about Shouguang. It's a not very big place in Shandong, but many people, most people here in China, heard of it because its、um, vegetable growing technique is、mm-hmm. just. Like a miracle, they bring vegetables to the most impossible places. Not only in China, but in the world. I have another example waiting, but let me finish my Xizang story first. Sure. Because they brought vegetables to the roof of the world, and they allow people there to start growing vegetables in these greenhouses. And in these greenhouses, of course, temperatures are controlled, humidity is controlled, and now not only by massive computers, but by a simple App on your cell phone. You can、mm-hmm. use your cell phone to adjust basically anything. A little bit like playing God in your little greenhouse, and people move from merely being able to grow the basic vegetables or the several kinds to. Um, more than forty kinds of different vegetables and fruits, and they also were able to shake off poverty because they attend such activity. And one very important thing I'd like to point out is that it's not only due to、um, great advanced technology, but also to their hard work. Because you have the technology, you have the facilities, but when the environment change, unless you build yourself a completely sealed container that you can control everything, you still have to rely on the local environment a little bit. Which means you have to do really a lot of experiment to find out what condition is best for your plants for your、um, vegetables. At that location, so all that being done, 
They successfully brought vegetables to local people, and nowadays, not only can you have vegetables, you can actually pick the kind you like.、Mm-hmm. I'm sure most Chinese people across the country are hardworking and willing to put in the work that is necessary to improve their livelihoods. As such, I think technology really matters a lot in the sense that it gives them the opportunity to do what they previously couldn't. And pertaining to the、uh, practicing in Xizang,、uh, what exactly are they doing to overcome the fragile environment factor to allow vegetables to grow? I mean, you mentioned something about greenhouses, but it doesn't solve the problem of shortage of water and change of climate. When we talk about shortage of water, actually, we are talking about this issue under or in the context of the previous way of farming of growing plants. It requires large amount of water, but actually, if you use a relatively modern、um, method, it does not require that much amount of water. To begin with, and as for the obstacles local people have to overcome, you have to think about building the greenhouse itself. Actually, portrays a huge problem at the very beginning because of the high altitude, because of the really heavy wind, and、mm-hmm. also the extensive sunlight. All that、uh, would be a problem at the very first place. Fortunately, they conquer them all. But I can totally imagine this being the case not only in Xizang but other places that people like to bring these protected agriculture too, because different places are really, you know, different, especially in terms of natural resources and natural environment. And a very interesting case would be Shouguang has also developed this shipping container, using it as a Place to cultivate leafy vegetables. So that's the good example you mentioned earlier. Yes, I love that example. I think it's really cool. A little bit nerdy, but <laughs> if you have clicked into this episode of Roundtable, judging by the name, the title of this episode, you must be a little bit nerdy as well. So. Follow me. You will like the example. Actually, a forty-foot shipping container is capable of cultivating five thousand leafy vegetables,、um, equivalent to the yield. What do you mean five thousand? Equivalent to the yield of two acres of land. Okay. And it can be harvested every twenty-eight days. And water and nutrition solutions are recycled to save resources, which. Really is a good proof of my previous point that Chinese people have a really good relationship with the nature. We humbly ask from the nature, and we try our very best to not ask too much. And we dispatch、uh, container trucks to desert areas to grow vegetables. Exactly, that is the beauty of these container trucks, because by、um, Exporting this to different places, including Dubai, including some parts of the United States, we're able to send these containers to the areas where originally or previously would be there's no chance, no possibility to grow vegetables in the desert areas. But now it can be done, and we can see that. Actually, one company named Xiangtian Technology has sent two container plant factories to Dubai with plans to install over two thousand units, and they are making a name not only in China but around the world.、Mm-hmm. And Lee, we mentioned、uh, quite a few types of、uh, protected agriculture, especially pertaining to、uh, planting things. Are there any other methods that are、um, Being adopted in to improve protected agriculture in this country, 
Uh, you mean besides greenhouses? Yeah, I also heard of vertical farming. What What about other technologies that we haven't heard of? Yes, vertical farming is one of the examples of protective farming. I think which has been widely used in China and also in other countries. I think we, I think we've actually talked about it. You know, rooftop farming、yes. in the previous shows of RT. Of roundtable, sorry, and、uh, of course, there's also a way called hydroponics. It basically involves growing plants without soil,、uh, just using nutrient-rich water solutions. And plants are usually grown in a controlled medium, such as water, sand, or gravel, and other nutrients are delivered directly to the roots. And also, there is another method called aeroponics.、Mm. In this method, plants are suspended in air and misted with a nutrient solution. So this method promotes optimal root growth and efficient nutrient uptake. And also, there is a method called aquaponics, which is quite common. I would say in a lot of villages right now in China, it basically combines aquaculture, which is fish farming, with hydroponics. So fish waste will just provide nutrients for plants. So it's also known as Yang Gong Gong Show in Chinese. So basically, we're you know optimizing all these kind of resources coming from this planting process and、uh, make them to you know benefit each other. So these are some common growing techniques、uh, which are being used here in China. And also about the story you know just mentioned, I also want to echo you know because we are talking about you know using all this kind of protected agriculture facilities and also methods. It's about increasing yields. It's about saving land, and I feel like sometimes people, especially in China, we talk about these facilities all the time. Yet people don't really understand, you know,、um, how harsh the condition we are facing. Because、mm-hmm. of course, increasing yield and also to help those、uh, local farmers to produce more crops and also increase their income is a very important purpose for this kind of protected agriculture. But I think more practical, China is really. A popular country, we all know that. Meantime, China is also a country with very little or very few arable land, because China has population of 1.4 billion. That's about 20 percent of the world's total population. Yet, do you know how much arable land we have? Only seven percent of the world's total arable land. So, so we have to be three times more efficient than、yes. the global average. Yes. So that means we have to feed so many mouths with such limited land resources. So I would say, you know, to promote the protected agriculture and also to using all those kind of facilities is vital for a country like China. That、sure. is a really good point. And in the meantime, I have to admit, while we're doing the research, I realize many of the、um, protected agriculture techniques, especially the one I personally really like, can be quite expensive、mm-hmm. because you are growing food. From basically nothing, we're reducing water, we're reducing soil, and we're controlling everything. It can be very pricey, but Li Yi has painted a really good bigger picture of the situation. That is, we do have that need, and maybe in the future, who knows, we'll be able to grow. Grapes on Mars.、Mm. You don't know, and you need the technology there to solve maybe some problems that will happen in the future. So I guess letting the technology grow and evolve in its own way, and one day the human society will need it and will meet. They will. The two paths would cross and will meet each other. And I think that I think that is also one significance of protected agriculture as well. Sure, we will have to grow grapes. On Mars, if our descendants who have migrated there have to <laughs> want to eat grapes, I mean,、yeah. or other grapes.
grains. I mean, uh-huh. That's for sure, yeah. And we've talked a lot about the benefits of protected agriculture. But like anything in the universe, except for sunlight and water and air, everything has a price, has a cost. I mean, what's mm-hmm. the cost of developing protected agriculture? It sounds to me there's a lot of input that's required at least in building the greenhouses, not to mention all the technical stuff, or there's got to be a price tag behind it. Is it worthwhile for us to pursue? I mean, there's got to be a price pertaining to it. Yes, I would say to develop such protected agriculture is definitely costly, especially for small-sized farms, which are actually quite common, especially in southern China. And most of farms are really in smaller size. They don't really have the advantage of integrating all the resources and also developing everything in a large scale way. So of course, you have to make sure the local farmers have the money to invest in, you know, at the first place. And also here in China, we can see that not all those greenhouses or other like tunnels, other protected agriculture facilities are being used to the most, which can be a challenge, especially here in China, we are facing limited uh, land resources. And also to think about how to use those natural resources and meantime to protect the natural resources. I mean, of course, uh, this technology help us to tap the potential of those resources, help us to break through all those limitations. However, we have to bear in mind that we have to respect nature all in all. And that's also a very uh, important issue for people uh, you know, uh, engaging in a sector to think about. Right. You're listening to Roundtable coming up in the second half of the show. A new business model gets Chinese people hooked on leftover food. Are people drawn by the mellowed flavors or cheap prices? Or is it because the shame of waste food weighs on our conscience? We will get to the bottom of this in just a moment.